Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Come on, you knew it had to happen that way. You just knew it had to happen that way. Sun Bowl was not easy, but Stanford able to figure out a way to win it, and the Cardinal finish off the 2018 season on a winning note. And we're finishing out the season here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Happy New Year, January 2nd, 2019, a Wednesday. I got to start getting used to writing that year on my on my checks now. Uh, but it is January 2nd, 2019. It is the TreeCast, and I am Troy Clarity. Thank you so much for being here with us. Very happy to be here in the new year. Little sad that Stanford football has done the journey that began uh, almost exactly four months ago, August 31st, when the season began. And then it finished up on December 31st in El Paso, Stanford 14-13 winners over the Pitt Panthers. And we're going to break it down for you here and look at things where things stand for Stanford at this point as the 2019 offseason begins. You're going to hear my chat on the field after the game with Bobby Okariki playing in his last game in a Stanford uniform. And boy, there were some moments where he just took over that game. We'll talk about that with him and the overall defensive effort for Stanford football with Bobby Okariki. You'll also hear from Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello. He said something very interesting, had a very interesting response uh, to one of my postgame questions to him after uh, the festivities in El Paso. And, of course, you'll also hear from David Shaw as well. So Bobby Okariki, K.J. Costello, and David Shaw forthcoming in the tree cast. Had a great time in El Paso. Uh, really enjoyed uh, being there. Uh, you know, they, they do a good job putting on that game for the most part. They treat the media fantastic. Uh, shout out to my man Albert at the host committee. Uh, and they they really, the, the, the community also really uh, does a fantastic job of supporting and actually coming out for the game. So uh, uh, a good time in El Paso. Uh, one of the one of the high points of the uh, social calendar uh, for that town. So uh, great to be a part of it. Wish the temperature was a little bit warmer, but uh, you know what? Late December, high altitudes, you get what you get. But overall, uh, good experience at the Sun Bowl as Stanford met Pitt. And defense carried the day on both sides. Pat Narduzzi, the Pitt head coach, a defensive coordinator himself, came to Pitt from Michigan State where he was the defensive coordinator in East Lansing and was part of the Spartans' win over Stanford in the 2014 Rose Bowl. But Narduzzi, a hard-nosed defensive coach, David Shaw not afraid to play defense and field position as well. And that's pretty much what it came down to throughout the overwhelming bulk of that game on Monday afternoon. Nice day in El Paso, was happy to be there. A bit chilly, though with temperatures at 46 at kickoff and getting into the lower 50s as the game went along. But, but, but the Stanford defense proved to be up to the task for much of the game. Took a bit 
maybe a couple series for them to get underneath them, kind of wobble a little bit, struggled at times, especially with Pitt on the ground. That's how they like to move the ball, and they certainly did. They have Quadri Allison, a nice running back for the Panthers, but but he was lost after about late in the first quarter with a sprained ankle. He'd been battling injuries a little bit even off and on coming into that game. Allison came off for Pitt leaving Darren Hall to uh, shoulder the load. Hall also with over 1,000 yards rushing for the Panthers coming into that game uh, in, in the Sun Bowl against Stanford. But Hall had nice moments, 123 yards on the ground for him, but Pitt overwhelmingly one-dimensional. And Stanford just prevented any sort of big plays, for the most part, in the passing game for the Pitt Panthers. And... Bobby Okariki in particular, I, I, I mean, there were some times, especially in that first half, where he himself seemed to say, enough, all right, that's it. And the rest of the Stanford defense followed suit. And I thought that, that the defensive charge for the Cardinal was led by the linebackers. I thought they were outstanding, inside and out. Okariki with big plays, more on that in a second. Sean Barton helping to lead the way. Uh, led all tacklers with eight in the game. Also had a tackle for loss as well. Casey Tuhill, boy, good to see him back out on the field. And he had seven tackles all told for him. He was he was busy. Joey Alfieri got after it. Jordan Fox with five tackles in the sack. I, I thought inside and out, the Stanford linebackers really came to play and, and, and really showed the way to ultimate victory uh, for Stanford. As a team, very impressive way for Okariki and Barton to finish up their careers, as well as as well as Alfieri and, and Casey Tuhill, uh, who he played uh, quite well too. Defensive line hit or miss, but that's kind of been its forte throughout much of the season. And, and, and the secondary, you know, they pit, tested Paul Nadebo a couple times early on. Saw that there was nothing there and did not necessarily look in his direction for much of the rest of that game. Can't blame him. Paul Nadebo looks like he's going to be the cornerstone for Stanford in the upcoming seasons to come. I can't wait to see uh, what directions his career takes from here. Elijah Holder at times struggled, but other times came up with some big plays. And Frank Bunkum helping to lead the way. Blake Antoine uh, also quite busy as well. Antoine with seven tackles and Bunkum with five tackles as well. But so so some nice moments. For the Stanford in the set for the Stanford in the secondary, but overall, I, I, I thought, I thought no doubt about it. Hats off and game balls to the Stanford linebackers, all of them really. Barton, Tuhill, Alfieri, Jordan Fox, and Bobby Okariki, the senior, playing in his last game for the Stanford Cardinal. Been so much fun to watch him develop over the last couple of years into into one of the better, I, I thought, uh, defenders uh, from, a, from a linebacking standpoint in the Pac-12 conference this year. A, a whale of a season for him and a terrific career as well. It all came to an end in El Paso on Monday. And as the confetti was, there was no confetti in El Paso, but you know, that would have been tough. A little windy there. But as we all walked off the field, after the postgame ceremony, they did erect a podium. <laughs> David Shaw was on it. Thomas Booker was was awarded was awarded the, the lineman of the game. Nice game by him, too, I should have mentioned. But 
as we walked off the field, I caught up with Bobby Okariki and got some of his thoughts for an exclusive interview here on the TreeCast. Bobby Okariki joined us post-game in El Paso on the TreeCast. Bobby, fantastic defensive effort. Wasn't easy. Wasn't, easy. wasn't pretty, but you got the win. What did it take to get it done out there today? Uh, effort, intensity, and execution. I was telling the guys all week long, it's going to be a physical game. Both the running backs, 1,000-yard rushers, 30 is great running back, 22. They had a great offensive line, so we really just had to buck up all around the board. Defensive line played well. Our DBs played well. Sean had a great effort. You know, me and him always tag team, so it was, it was a fun game. Yeah, it really seemed like the game started to turn uh, in Stanford's favor defensively with a couple of plays you made as the first half went along, smacking around Kenny Pickett on a couple of occasions mm -hmm. and getting in on a big sack and making some big plays when they got in the red zone. Take me through some of those sequences as you remember them. Yeah, um, you know, coming off the edge on that sack, just blitzing the running back. You know, Coach Hanson always tells us, you know, be physical, violent, use your hands. So paid off in the wrist blitzes. And then, you know, just playing with Sean, you know, he's got my back. I got my, he's, I got his. So I always know if a play doesn't go my way, he's going to cover me in the same way. So, you know, just playing together, playing for each other. I thought it was also outstanding, not just you. You mentioned Sean Barton, but the outside linebackers yeah. really got after it too. Really played well. Joey Alfieri, Casey Tuhill, Jordan Fox, Gabriel. I mean, those guys are great what they do. So, you know, great defensive effort overall. In a way, in a sense, does this game kind of encapsulate how this season went as a whole? Kind of. I mean, it's a lot of adversity faced. We had some injuries as well. Um, but, you know, it was just being resilient and persevering and never giving up. Well, wasn't pretty, but it's a W. <laughs> and in the end, that's all that matters. Yep. Really enjoyed watching you play. Thank you so much for all the, all the great, fantastic things you did here at the Cardinal. Yep. Uh, safe travels back to campus Thank and you. have a happy new year. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Go Card. Effort, intensity, execution. That's Bobby Okariki, who told me those were the three things that it took for Stanford to beat Pitt. And those three uh, words also and characteristics also, I think, uh, uh, summarize uh, Bobby Okariki quite nicely uh, on and off the football field as well from a leadership standpoint, too. And, and really, a, a couple of plays in particular, I thought, um, really turned the tide in favor of Stanford defensively. One Pitt moving the ball relatively well, especially on the ground. Well, they didn't really move it through the air, through the air at any point in the game. But you know, Stanford facing a, a kind of a, a back to the wall situation a little bit with a scoreless game late in the first quarter. Third and nine, Pitt had it at the Stanford thirty yard line, and then that's when Bobby Okariki just said, "You know what? I, I, I've had enough of this." And he just broke through and sat Kenny Pickett for a big loss, thwarting Pitt's drive at that point and keeping it a scoreless game. That was a big play. And on Pitt's final drive before the first half, one that was not very, not managed very well from a clock standpoint, and also, unfortunately kind of also hearkened to, to a few uh, two-minute drills that we've seen at Stanford uh, over the course of this season as well, but one play in particular, Okariki came in untouched and just sawed Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett in half. Pickett was able to get the pass off. It fell incomplete, but, but Pickett needed the moment to get up after that one. It was just a massive, massive lick on Kenny Pickett from Okariki. But those were, the, those were two of the big plays that really prevented, I think, the game from slipping out of Stanford's control defensively. Defensively. Stanford tree fence showed up in El Paso. The offense did not. Stanford offensively was terrible. No other way to spin it. Terrible offensive effort from Stanford. Or output, I should say. The effort was, uh, was there. Just, just the output wasn't.
Jake Bailey was happy. <laughs> he got to pump the ball nine times. Smiles on his face in the postgame press conference. He was he was pumped to end his career with nine punts. But outside of that, not much to write home about for Stanford on the offensive side of the ball. Stanford went three and out on their first four drives. Three and out. That's bad enough. So much for the so much for getting off to a fast start. That that went out the window very quickly. Overall in the game, the Cardinal had 12 offensive possessions. They went three and out on six of them. Brutal. They went four and out on two others. So when you're not holding on to the ball for at least four plays on eight of your 12 offensive possessions, that's not going to cut it more often than not. It isn't. Now, the only two drives that Stanford had of any sustenance, any sustenance at all, resulted in touchdowns. Thank goodness. The first one coming midway through the second quarter, Cardinal down 3 nothing. And Stanford finally getting on the good foot, finally getting their first first down of the afternoon early in the second quarter after K.J. Costello found Mike Wilson for four yards and a first down. Dorian Maddox a couple nice runs, setting up Costello to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for 29 yards, first and goal from the pit five-yard line. Two plays later, Cameron Scarlett took it over from one yard out. Stanford had a 7-3 lead. Couldn't hold it. Pitt scored with a touchdown of their own on their next drive and took a 10-7 lead to the half. But that was one Stanford offensive drive that, that actually produced a little something. The other one started at the very end of the third quarter. The last play of the third quarter, as a matter of fact, Cameron Scarlett took the handoff. But then the rest of the early part of the fourth quarter with Stanford down 13-7, Scarlett started to, started to puncture the Pitt defense with regularity for the first time all game. Five yards, four yards, two yards, three yards. Then then Stanford went to the air. A couple of completions to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, one for 12 yards, and then the big one to 49 yards, setting up Stanford at the uh, pit three-yard line. On first and goal from the Panther two after, after a pass interference penalty, Costello dropped back after faking the ball, then stepped up and was hit, and the ball flew forward, and the whole game flashed in front of everyone's face. But Cameron Scarlett in the right place at the right time, snaring the ball out of the air, getting the touchdown. Stanford up 14-13 with 11.28 to go, and amazingly enough, it held up. That was your final score, and that was all that the Stanford offense needed. The offensive numbers, ugly. For, for both teams, as you might expect, I'm still looking at Kenny Pickett's passing line for Pitt, 11 to 29 for 136 yards. Ooh, yuck. But outside of Cameron Scarlett, 22 carries, 94 yards with a couple of touchdowns. Outside of that, not much to speak of from an offensive standpoint, uh, numbers wise. KJ Costello had a rough, rough day 6 to 17, 105 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions, but no touchdowns. Also was sacked three times. And Costello came into the season, came into that game rather, needing 193 yards to overtake Steve Stenstrom for the Stanford all-time single season passing yardage mark. 
And he came up 88 yards short. I'm still somewhat surprised that that happened, especially the way that it did. As Costello, it was a real struggle for him from start to finish. Completed just one of his first seven passes. Completed three in a row on Stanford's first touchdown, but never really got into a serious rhythm after that. Don't forget, KJ didn't have Trenton Irwin or Caden Smith to throw the ball to. Don't underestimate the absence of those two guys and how that affected Stanford from a personnel and a scheme standpoint. That certainly didn't didn't help KJ's cause. And it also didn't help that Nate Herbig wasn't available. Walker Little wasn't available. You know, one of your better offensive linemen and your left tackle when they're when they're on the shelf for various reasons, that's going to affect your quarterback. And of course, Bryce Love uh, not available either. So all of those things also went against KJ against Pitt on Monday, but but I'm not exactly sure that that Costello rose above those things in this go-around. Many times he's been able to rise above those things throughout the course of the season. Uh, against Pitt, not so much. Not so much. So with that as a backdrop, there was speculation heading into the Sun Bowl that KJ was going to test the waters and declare for the NFL draft. That he was at least thinking about heading towards the NFL draft, which I'm sure is accurate. I mean, you know, heck, if you're if you're KJ, you know, why not? Why why not assess your options? Why not look at things and say and try to figure out, hey, is this is it is this the right time for me to make this move? Quarterback apparently is not going to be a big, uh, a, a very deep position in the NFL draft this year. So, you know that 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 plays in KJ's favor, but. I'm sure he was thinking about it. He had to have. But if KJ was looking to to make this game a showcase for his potential on the professional level, I'm not exactly sure that he put the best tape down for the scouts to watch with the drops, with the the protection going against him, with the the injuries that kind of went against him as well, and with some self-inflicted bad decisions that KJ himself made as well. That's why, given all those things in the postgame press conference, I asked KJ what his checklist for this team was going to be in this upcoming offseason. Would have been a good time for him to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not worried about that right now. Uh, I just want to focus on, 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 on the guys here and, and the effort that we put forth um, you know, this, this season. And I'm proud of some of the things that we did. You know, I, I was fully expecting him to answer like that. He didn't. Instead, this was his answer. You know, just thinking upon it real quickly, um, I love to put together another season just like the back half of this season. Um, I felt like we were hitting on all cylinders. We talked about it with the captains of the defense, Bobby and Sean. They take care of us, we take care of them, and then special teams puts us in prime field position. Um, I feel like we did that the second half of the season. Um, I think we got to go to work in the offseason. we got to build depth. You know, injury is something that you can't help. Um, we got to have the next man up mentality, which I think we did, but we're going to be a lot more aware of that this offseason. Um, and then once again, we got a lot of guys that got to develop. Um, we're losing, you know, three who I think are the best wide receivers in the Pac-12, um, including tight end Caden Smith. Um, so we got a lot of developing to do, but, you know, I'm pretty excited for it, knowing that these guys, these young guys, Mike Wilson, Osiris St. Brown, um, and Colby Parkinson is going to lead the charge. 
these guys are totally up to the task, have great attitudes, and uh, I'm excited to get to work. That's KJ Costello. His response to uh, my question about what his his checklist for Stanford football was this offseason. And, and, and a, cu- a couple of things. Number one, he broke the news that Caden Smith was turning pro before Caden Smith himself did before his tweet his, before his tweet on New Year's Day. And it was funny because when, when 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 KJ said that, I looked at the other players on the podium and I caught Sean Barton and Cameron Scarlett looking at each other like, what? Really? Did KJ just say that? And I looked at a couple of other Stanford representatives who were also in the room, and and they kind of had some interesting looks on their faces too. So uh, KJ Costello broke the news inadvertently that uh, Caden Smith was uh, going off to the uh, off to the pro ranks. Congratulations to Caden, by the way. But it sounded like, and this is still speculation on my part. It sounded like, based on that answer, that KJ plans on coming back to Stanford for the 2019 season. And I don't know whether that was the case. Uh, even even before uh, the Sun Bowl unfolded as it did. But the way he talked about putting together a full season at Stanford, like the second half of this past season went, that that indicates to me right there that 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 he's interested in coming back. And also a pretty detailed checklist for him. Uh, on, on on things that he wants the guys to 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 get their minds right on for the upcoming year. I, I don't necessarily think that you talk in those terms if you're already out the door or leaning towards heading out the door towards the NFL. So based on that response, and that's why I asked him the question, and that's why that's why I asked him that way to kind of protect himself a little bit because I I wasn't sure how the answer was going to go. I don't know, but that's why I asked that question the way that he did, and with him answering the question the way that he did, indicates to me that KJ will still be taking snaps for Stanford in 2019. Now, the deadline's January 14th. Who knows what happens between now and then? It's still pure speculation on my part. I don't know truly what's going through KJ's mind. But I think perhaps we may have received a bit of a glimpse into what K.J. Costello is thinking at this point. Good to see him at the El Paso airport, by the way, um, after the game, along with a few other uh, Stanford players who were on my flight uh, out to LAX. So it appears, based on my interpretation of K.J. Costello's answer there, that, that it looks like he's coming back to Stanford football this upcoming season. But, but we still need to put this, this past season in the books and for all the consternation for all the frustration for all the for all the things that didn't quite go Stanford's way the Cardinal did did still find a way to win nine games still can't sneeze at that they still finished nine and four on the season despite adversity along the way self-inflicted or otherwise and culminating in a game that 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 seemed to perfectly summarize the year for Stanford. During his post-game press conference, David Shaw was at the podium when I asked him how he is going to remember the 2018 Stanford football season. Um, you know, there's certain, there certain periods in your life um, that are hard to describe, but you feel them. And I think that's, that's what the season is going to be for me. 
Um, a lot of people, you know, what my, my brother went through this year, um, battling cancer, um, what our team went through with guys getting banged up, guys having to step up. A lot of things happened that, that, that didn't usually happen to us. Tough running the football, um, guys getting injured, um, you know, losing four out of five games in the middle of the season. But the thing that stayed uh, constant, our constant for the entire year, was the effort of our football team. Practices never waned. Practices were always full speed. I think the seniors, Bobby, Okariki, Sean Barton um, in particular, um, Frank Buncombe, the past, the past half, second half of the year, really stayed up, stayed up made, a, made a bunch of plays for us. Um, the guys in the offensive line, every single week, whoever was healthy, we rolled out there to play, and they kept fighting, kept scrapping. Um, you know, Kobe Parkinson has got to come in um, and play. He played great with the, the tandem duo of he and Caden Smith. Caden gets hurt. Kobe now has to play the Y. He has to play the F. He has to play the slot. He has to do a whole bunch of things, and he did it uh, happily. Um, so every time things got difficult, we, we, we banded together and, and we pushed on. And um, that's what I'll remember this, this team for, our resilience and our toughness. That's David Shaw. Uh, thoughtful response from him, uh, as always. And and, and, and look, a, a couple of things in, in my reaction uh, to that soundbite from from Coach Shaw. Number one, uh, yes, adversity is going to be the number one defining characteristic of this of this football squad that just wrapped up its campaign. Adversity from injuries that was even the case during spring football, and certainly continued and unfortunately continued uh, throughout the season. Uh, adversity. That was self-inflicted with drops, penalties coming at bad times, uh, coaching decisions, uh, scheme maybe that, 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 that didn't quite work out at times. I, I still can't get past that bungled sequence the subst- involving the substitutions on the final drive for Stanford, uh, the, final, uh, the final minutes of that game at Seattle that, as mentioned on the previous TreeCast, uh, I thought was the most important uh, sequence and series of plays of the entire season for Stanford. So a, a, lot, of, a lot of things that were self-inflicted and a few things that, that were out of the Cardinals' control went against Stanford this year. But somehow, Stanford was, was able, to, able to get through it. And, 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 and who knows? Who knows what else? Look, there are so many things that happen with the football team that we in the media don't even come close to finding out about until well after the fact. Other things that, that, that threaten to derail a season one way or another. Not sure, not saying that that was necessarily the case here for this squad, but, 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 but sometimes there are things that, that, that just happen that you have to manage. And David Shaw himself mentioning, that, that there were some personal things going on with him and his brother and his fight with cancer. Our best wishes uh, to the Shaw family on that accord. But Stanford able to find a way to get past it all. And I'm, I'm going to steal this from, because I saw this on Twitter, I'm going to steal and paraphrase it here uh, from Hank at uh, Go Mighty Card. You know, while, while the fans in the media were, were, were kvetching <laughs> and, and worrying and fretting and, 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 and just, you know, be, do, doing the things that fans do, doing the things that, that most folks in the media do, making mountains out of molehills, it seems, at times, worrying too much at times. While 
those of us outside the program were doing all those things, the players were going to work. The players were, were the ones who helped keep things together. And like David Shaw said, the effort was never in question. I, I think that's certainly the case. I think that's certainly true. Never questioned the effort for Stanford this year at any point. Well, maybe in the first half against Pitt in the Sun Bowl, because for, for much of that much of that period of time, it certainly seemed like, like, like Barton and Okariki were the only two guys that, that came ready to play. Outside of that, no question at all from Stanford and its effort as a football team this fall. Now, which brings me to my second response and reaction to David Shaw's thoughts and how he remembers how he remembers the season. And I think I think most folks are going to look at this season as a disappointment. And I think that's correct. It is possible to recognize the achievement that a nine-win season, especially for Stanford, look, let's face it, the college football system is not designed for programs and schools like Stanford to have long-term sustained success. It just isn't. Yet the Cardinal have found a way. Ten straight bowls. Cardinal have won at least eight straight in every year, or eight games, I should say, in every year that David Shaw has been at the helm. Nine more wins this season. I'm not going to sneeze at that. I'm not going to going to thumb my nose and dismiss a nine-win season for Stanford. I can also, however, call this year a disappointment because of what this season could have been for uh, on a lot of different fronts. This season could have been a lot better for Bryce Love. It could have been a lot better for the offensive line. It could have been better with a couple decisions that K.J. Costello made, particularly against the Utah Utes that doomed the Cardinal that day. It could have gone better on on 4th and 11 when the Huskies went for it inside Stanford territory and got it up in Seattle. It could have been a lot better. But you know what? Overall, nine wins, grand scheme of things, I'm okay with it. Looking at things from a micro from a micro standpoint, yes, this year's a disappointment. This year could have been better. Bounce of the ball against Washington, bounce of the ball against Washington State. Don't forget a bounce of the ball against Oregon. <laughs> if, 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 not for, if not for that result, Stanford fans would, would really be doing a lot of soul searching right now. So thank goodness that things ended up in Eugene the way that they did. But while this season in a microcosm can, and I think rightfully should be viewed as a season that could have been so much better, overall grand scheme of things, the season's still a success. Nine more wins for Stanford, and this program is still one to be reckoned with in the Pac-12. And nationwide, too. Won't be easy next year. Uh, I've already seen all the fretting about the schedule. Oh, what? Why are we going to UCF? Well, because that game has been on the schedule for years, and it was put on the schedule when UCF was off, was awful. Don't don't forget what happened to UCF when the Golden Knights came out to Stanford in 2015. The season they had, they didn't win a game. So no, they can't take the game off the schedule. 
Got to play it. Got to head on the plane to Orlando and get it done. Tough November, as always, capped off by by Notre Dame. Who knows what state they're going to be in. But I'm already looking forward to it. My 26th season of Stanford football is in the books, and I already can't wait for number 27. So the Stanford football season is done, and so is the tree cast. And, man, I, I have... I have a lot of people to thank who help make this show and this podcast possible, our third season of uh, doing these. And it's always a lot of fun. Always a lot of fun. Stanford football, one of my favorite topics, one of my favorite subjects. Uh, I, I, it's, it's always a pleasure to be to be a part of following this program as I have been now for 26 years and uh, looking forward to to a long, long time more. Uh, a lot of folks to thank. Every one of our guests uh, who have joined us on the show, as well as uh, Eric Dolan uh, and uh, Brian Rizzo of the Stanford Media Relations Department uh, and the Stanford Athletics. Uh, big time uh, thanks to them for all of their help throughout the course of the season, as as well as Alan George, who left midseason to go to Vanderbilt. Jeez, but thanks to those guys uh, for their roles in helping make the tree cast um, what it was. But this this doesn't happen without you. This doesn't happen if if you're not interested. It doesn't happen if you're not subscribing and rating and reviewing the show, which you did in force. Thank you so much for that. And it's not happening if you're if you're making yourself an interactive part of the program as well. Uh, you know, Stanford fan, you know, the fan base is small, but that's cool. I, I, I'd rather have quality than quantity, and a lot of quality fans for Stanford football. Uh, proud to uh, be able to bring uh, help bring this uh, program and hopefully bring you some some perspectives that you might not have necessarily considered and some things to uh, to some things to think about uh, with the with the program. So uh, the, the biggest thanks most of all goes out to you as always uh, for joining us and for being a part of this show. Now who knows we we may have a pop up tree cast or two in the months ahead, maybe with the special guest, perhaps breaking down special news. Who knows? Who knows? But that's it as far as as far as scheduled uh, tree casts are concerned. And uh, looking forward to doing this again in the 2019 season. Hope it's a fantastic year for you. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Don't be dumb. You're, Stanford's a smart school. Just you know, make make sure you're doing all the smart things, right? You know, you don't want to don't want to be affiliated with the dummies. So so don't drink and drive. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. We'll talk to you next time. Can't wait. Thank you again for being with us. And we'll check you out next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.